this is Mercy West. Uh, this is my first installment of hopefully many little segments about myself and my interests and uh, my, I don't know, my personal views on sex and sexuality and yeah, whatever else I feel like. Um, <laughs> thanks for taking the time to listen. Uh, today, what's on my mind is what it means to me uh, to be a fetishist. I get a lot of questions about how I label myself or why I label myself the way I do. I personally am not a huge fan of labels, but they are very necessary in a lot of cases. So <laughs> I uh, have to pick a few and I, I have and I'm just running with them. So, <laughs> um, so I guess starting off talking about what being a fetishist means to me, I kind of want to start with, uh, with what beauty means to me because in my eyes, uh, I, I feel like, you know, if someone is fetishizing something, an object, a part of a person's body, um, they see a particular beauty in it, and it may be an obsessive beauty, it may be whatever, but they see something very beautiful in it. And so, along with something very sexually arousing. And uh, so I guess the way that I was taught um, from a very young age to look at beauty was to not not seek out its flaws and not expect anything from it. Um, I And what I mean by those two things is um, appreciate, you know, don't go seeking the faults in something beautiful. I uh, just appreciate its beauty. <laughs> um, I feel like a lot of people go and they look at something, a piece of art, something someone's created, uh, what, uh, whatever it is, um, and they go, oh, that's nice, but, or that's beautiful, but this would be better, or I would do this, or it would be nicer if. and. <laughs> Honestly, especially if I'm looking at someone else's art or something that someone else has created, I really try to stay away from that. I try to just see it for what it is and assume it's what the person wanted it to be unless they tell me otherwise. And I feel like I, I've learned a lot from that, really just appreciating things for what they are. Um, and then also not expecting anything from from beauty or things that I find beautiful. I'm not expecting them to do anything for me other than be beautiful. Um, not expecting an explanation as to why their beauty exists or how they became, how it became beautiful, how they became beautiful. Just, just again, just appreciating the beauty. <laughs> not really focusing on all these other, other things that you know, aren't useful when it comes to just appreciating something. And so I guess that sort of links me to, you know, when I first started experimenting with pornography, um, seeking out uh, sexual content, um, I had various avenues. I had the internet, as most folks my age did. Um, and... <clears throat> I also, I spent a lot of time at bookstores and I would go into the erotic book section or the erotic art section and um, 
you know, I'd find old UK rubber magazines. Um, uh, one of my favorite things that I've found to this day was an illustrated storybook um, of stories by Gord. Um, and that was just amazing. Everything from, you know, uh, beautiful femme uh, amputees that were into extreme bondage to <laughs> women being shrimp shrink wrapped and stuck in boxes and sent across the country as sex dolls. Um, you know, uh, those were the types of things that I was um, discovering just because I had a very eclectic taste in, in art and found all things beautiful. Um, and another part of why these things, these different very sort of out there and now looking back, you know, very fetishistic things that I was into as a kid. Why I was so intrigued by them was because <clears throat> really I grew up without without the regular taboos that a lot of people have. Um, masturbation wasn't a taboo, sex wasn't a taboo, sexuality, gender. Um, my mom was all really open about that stuff with me. I, you know, lived with my mother and my aunt for a long time who were both fairly young and, you know, dating people and living lives as women in their late 20s and early 30s. And I, you know, they, they needed to live their own lives and be honest with me about, you know, who they were and, you know, the living situation and stuff like that. And so, you know, I just became very comfortable with with uh, a lot of things that people are very pent up about still into their, you know, 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and carried into their grave. But um, but yeah, so I, I didn't really have a whole lot of taboos. So the idea of, you know, going online and seeing a video of someone masturbating wasn't really super exciting. It was just like, oh, there are people that do that on camera, you know, or watching two people have sex or watching two ladies have sex or whatever, you know, I, I didn't, nothing, it wasn't really shocking to me. It was just like, it was regular, it was fine. And so, you know, when we're younger, I think we seek out taboos or some of us do, we seek out things that give us a thrill. And, um, you know, I had to, I had to find some things that gave me a thrill and I fell into, I mean, I was really, really, really into censored Japanese porn for a long time to where I couldn't see the genitals um, of any of the performers. Uh, lots of bukkake scenes with fuzzed out genitals. Um, <laughs> uh, really, really into heavy rubber, like gas masks, thick, black, shiny rubber and with lots of rope and tubing and hoses. And, um, <clears throat> and then the one the first thing that I really remember becoming very, very obsessed with when I was younger was um, uh, was uh, sissy maids and and sissy role play because I was very intimidated by men at the time and uh, uh, and very intimidated by dicks and uh, dominant and forceful men and so. Coming across sissy porn was very, like, you know, like a little light went on in my head when I was younger, and I was like, wow, there are guys who you can, like, dress up, and they'll do your, um, you know, they'll do your, 
your dishes and they'll clean your laundry and they'll make you dinner and they'll rub your feet and they'll dress like a lady and um yeah it just blew my mind because the only men that I knew that I had interacted with were highly insecure super masculine to the point of being toxic almost um and this just it really opened up my mind to oh my gosh all men aren't this way and I was still very uh I was comfortable internally with the fact that I was attracted to women but it just wasn't anything I could articulate at that time and not due to feeling shame around it it just wasn't you know our society just doesn't really give young people an avenue even if they are comfortable with it and their parents are comfortable with it to really explore and talk about and be you know invested in their sexuality um if it's anything other than uh, straight and um and so I was really still just focusing on on cis men at the time. And yeah, it fascinated me. And I was so happy that I could finally, <laughs> could finally like, oh, if these people were willing to do this on camera, I'm sure I could find some people willing to do this in real life. And I remember I was way too young to be doing it, but I reached out to a sissy maid on MySpace and in a very non-sexual, not, no proposition or anything way, but was like, hey, you know, they, they had a profile with them and their wife and they would show their everyday life and it was very non-sexual and I was just fascinated by it. And, you know, they were very short with me and very polite, but also I'm sure didn't want to interact with me too much. Um, but they just encouraged me and said, hey, don't give up. You know, I appreciate the nice things that you said about me and I'm sure you'll find someone that fits you perfectly when you're older, you know, and um, don't stress it. and yeah, there are other weirdos out there, you know, and that was the gist of it. And I just, oh, that changed my life, honestly, having someone be really honest with me and very frank with me that, you know, yeah, it's out there. It's fine. No worries. Take your time. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I reached out to Rubber Doll um, also when I was younger. I was like, oh my gosh, who takes your pictures? Who, you know, like, where do you get your clothes? Are they all custom made? Uh, and she wrote back as well and gave me all the info and said, oh, I, you know, I have a photographer. They're also my partner. And, you know, I generally get hired this and this way. And like, I've modeled here and there. And like, you know, it's so I had a couple of people that were really sweet and decided to respond to me very genuinely, even though I, you know, was coming from a place of being much younger, um, but I wasn't approaching them sexually. And it was more just curiosity about just the why they existed, how they existed and wanting to tell them that I appreciated them. And so I knew I always had a had an inclination like towards super kinky people i wasn't i still didn't consider myself like i didn't think i was one of them um <laughs> you know i just i was still feeling like very much like an outsider at that point and then i i met my first boyfriend not too long after that and they were already into snm we were the same age but they had had different experiences than me and um they were super open to you know, we were switches and we did all sorts of stuff and we experimented a lot. Um, and that relationship ended up ending because I needed more because I wanted to experiment and play with other people. And they did not. They were an obsessive, you know, high school age cis boy. 
And uh, yeah, so that breakup did not go well, but I ended up leaving because I needed more. I knew I wanted to explore this more. And um, yeah, I, I, and I did. And I, as soon as I turned 18, I went to the first fetish club that I ever went to or BDSM club and that was great but but yeah so where I'm going with all this is um you know and I'll, I'll carry on about you know the rest of that story and other stories later on but to me because of my upbringing because of my experiences because of how frank and honest people have been with me about their kinks fetishes uh and sexual needs um I find everybody's kinks beautiful. I have developed a very empathic personality and mindset. And so along with that knowledge that I was given in the past of fetishes of why people have their, their, their certain needs and that there doesn't need to be an explanation for it or a reasoning, it just is. Um, <clears throat> you know, I was given that information and I just moving forward with my life realized that there's no reason to look down on someone or to be unattracted to someone because they're into something different. And really all I ask people, you know, the I think the most fetishistic, the most fetishy thing about me is that I always want to know. I always want to ask people. I always, I need them to explain to me why they love what they love. And, you know, even if they don't really have an answer and they say, yeah, one day I just picked up a pair of sweaty gym stocks and started jerking off into them, that's great. But that's the kind of information that I need. Um, and really, if you you know give me the information you have, you're sort of transferring your fetish to me mentally. I know that sounds kind of silly, but um, it's true. I, I feel like I'm absorbing it when people talk to me about it and I can't help but be into it. I think this was most apparent when I had a, a partner who was very, very, very much into diapers. I, I couldn't stand diapers at the time. Like I was, I was horrified. I had never even thought about it. I was always, that was always the one thing where I was like, you know, I'm into whatever, but I can't do the diaper stuff. And then as soon as I met someone that I really fell in love with and really understood and could feel their emotions, um, and when they came out to me about it and they explained to me why they were into diapers and why they were into ABDL and I understood it. It clicked. And honestly, from that day forward, my ABDL and padding fetish has just grown and it's probably my biggest one. <laughs> and it really used to be something that appalled me. And that was just because there was something about it that really intrigued me in a way that other things didn't. And so even my open-minded, flexible, super fucking cool attitude couldn't even trump, you know, the uh, the feelings that I was having of just like, oh no, 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 that's awful. That's I, there's no way I could be into that. Like even me, and I had done a lot by then and been it was very open-minded. But it, it yeah, it hit me like a Mack truck and. Yeah, you just have to go and look at my stores and you'll see all the fucking diaper content. So, um, but yeah, so really just to me, being a fetishist means being able to find the beauty. It really means being able to find the beauty in everything. And that's something I've always done in my life when, if it's looking at people, if it's looking at a painting, if it's watching a performance art piece, if it's looking at architecture, I, you know, just... I love appreciating beauty. I love finding beauty. And 
at the heart of fetishism, I personally, you know, I think it's just beauty and people find everything beautiful in different ways. I, I don't know. It probably sounds a little silly, but, but yeah, so that's how I sort of mold my mind around people's needs. To give you, to give you the honest truth, most fetishes that people introduce me to, if it's something I haven't tried on my own, I pick up and it becomes my own. I, I find specific things that I like about it here and there, and I might tweak it a little bit, but I'm also a collector of sorts. <laughs> if you can't tell by the, the catalog of my work, I, I have quite eclectic tastes. <laughs> well, thanks again for listening, and hopefully there will be more of these.